Welcome to the Hills Church at Home. In fact, I'd encourage you to do a couple things before we get in today's message. If you go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org, you can download today's message notes. Also, if you have any uh, kids or small children in the house, you can download our kids' activity sheet as well. Moa, it's a great time to refill your coffee, grab your Bibles. And so today I'd like you to open with me to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. In fact, my message title today is Have Faith in God. In fact, these four words I pray this year of 2021 become so powerful in your heart, in your life, in your spirit that we would all hear Jesus's words to us to have faith in God. And in our message today that we're going to look at just a a moment to remind ourselves that Jesus does redeem all. Jesus does redeem all. So Mark chapter 11, I want to read a few verses today. And I'm going to start in verse chapter 12 through verse 26. It's going to be a very interesting story. In fact, we're going to read about fig trees. We're going to read about the temple. Uh, We're going to read about even Jesus sharing certain things with the disciples. But I'd like you to follow along as I read Mark chapter 11, verses 12 through 26. Now on the next day, when they had come from Bethany, he, this is talking about Jesus, he was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he could find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. Let me read that again. For it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. So they came to Jerusalem, then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple, and he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves, and he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. Then he taught, saying to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. And the scribes and the chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him. For they feared him because all the people were astonished at his teaching. When evening had come, he went out of the city. Now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. And so Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Let me read that verse 22 again. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith, in God. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, 
be removed and to be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive one another, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. Well, as we get ready to look into these scriptures today, let's take a moment and let's pray. Let's allow ourselves to settle and so that we can hear the Holy Spirit teaching us through these verses to have faith in God. So Father, we thank you for this opportunity today. And as we pray, we thank you for the Holy Spirit, the teacher that can take these words, your holy words, and speak to our life and our situation so that we believe you and that we have faith in you in these times and these days because you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In fact, even though my title is Have Faith in God, it really could be like fig trees, temples, and discussion. But I want to look at a couple things. In fact, it's important for us to remember that if you've not heard of this story before, um, it, it kind of is one of those things that's interesting that you see Jesus cursing a fig tree. In fact, we probably could call it that. It's the only destructive miracle in the gospel, but it has a powerful teaching uh, purpose to us that we'll see, in fact, in the next couple of weeks as we talk about this. Now, think about the disciples. They have both seen and heard Jesus. They heard Jesus in the boat say, peace be still over the wind and the waves, and everything became peaceful. They then saw the madman of Gadara, as we were reading along in, in the book of Mark, a man that was so full of demons. The Bible says there was about that the demons ran in, into the pigs, about 2,000 of them. He was so full of demons, nobody could chain him or stop him, and they saw this man free and sitting in his right mind. They saw a little girl that was raised from the dead. They saw Jesus feed the 5,000 men plus women and children. They had witnessed Jesus walking on the water, people touching him and were healed. Another feeding of the 4,000, his public teaching, his private teaching, and so many more things. In fact, just before we read this story, he has already come in on Palm Sunday and all of this going on, he's going to curse a fig tree? What was about to happen? What did he want to teach his disciples on his final week before the crucifixion and resurrection? In fact, I want to head that way because I want you to think about that fig tree, and we'll come back to that uh, this next week. But I want to think about the temple and what Jesus did. In fact, that temple ground is what we would read about in the Bible as Mount Moriah. In fact, it's a very popular mount, mountain in the Bible, referred to all the time in the Old Testament. It is the mountain, Mount Moriah, where Abraham 
was going to offer Isaac as a sacrifice because God said so. And God provided that sacrifice. I'd encourage you to go back into the into the book of Genesis and read from, read Genesis chapter 22 verses 1 through 19. It'll give you an entire scope of that setting. In fact, it starts with God telling Abraham again that he was to take his son, his only son, and he was going to sacrifice him where God would show him. Well, it was going to be Mount Moriah. In fact, uh, Abraham, who had been following the Lord now, in fact, we know this for over 25 years, he says something very powerful in Genesis chapter 22, verse 5, at the end, because some, some young men went to go help him, and he uses these words. He says, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. That's a very powerful thing, because God asks him to sacrifice this only son. Now, remember, everything that Jesus does, he redeems And it's that early indication of even God the Father that's going to sacrifice his only son. But instead of uh, Abraham sacrificing Isaac, God stops him by the angel of the Lord's words, but then provides an offering. In fact, Abraham in Genesis 22, 14, Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be uh, provided. Jehovah Jireh is one of those words. The Lord will provide. Mount Moriah is a special place. You know, uh, we read in Exodus chapter 25 that Moses, after already being given the Ten Commandments from God, begins to assemble because God said so, the Ark of the Covenant. He begins to build that tabernacle for the Lord where the very presence of the Lord would be, where the people would bring their sacrifices before the Lord. And that whole preparation was a tent and a structure that could be moved because, if you remember, they're now living for 40 years in the wilderness of disobedience, going around in a circle. But God showed himself faithful even when they were disobedient to have a tabernacle and his presence in the center amongst the people. Uh, in Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2, in fact, the main verse for our church, it says this, David says this, I look up to the hills, but where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. David, when he is reading or um, mentioning that psalm, in fact, we know that not only does he pen it, but he sings it, the hill that he's looking for is the hill where the Ark of the Covenant is. The hill that the Ark of the Covenant on is Mount Moriah. Very important. David later in 2 Samuel chapter 24, and it's mentioned in 1 Chronicles 21, David, after being very disobedient before the Lord, David goes and buys this field and this hill, which is Mount Moriah. After this time, in fact, uh, we know this, that Solomon goes, goes ahead and builds the temple, builds the temple on Mount Moriah, where the very presence of God is. In fact, there's a couple scriptures that are pr- prophetic about this. Isaiah chapter 56, verse 7, the prophet Isaiah says this, Even them I will bring to my holy mountain, 
and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. Notice that that verse says, even them I will bring to my holy mountain. That place, that territory, Mount Moriah, was a special place. It was a place where that Ark of the Covenant was. It was a place where the uh, presence of God would dwell in the Holy of Holies. It was a very special place. But then Jeremiah the prophet is going to prophesy about those verses we just read in Mark 11. Jeremiah prophesies, and he says these words, Jeremiah 7, 11, Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of thieves in your eyes? Behold, I, even I, have seen it, says the Lord. So we have this place Jesus, as we read in Mark 11, he goes by the fig tree. The fig tree is going to have a message about this place and this place that was supposed to be about the presence of the God and people coming to the presence of the God. People bringing their animal sacrifices to the presence of God has has turned into an area that has nothing to do with ministry to the Lord. It has everything to do with with people making some type of profit. In fact, to even today, Mount Moriah is in the old city of Jerusalem. It's it's the site of many biblical acts of faith. It's also today one of the most valuable pieces of real estate and one of the most wholly contested places of real estate on this earth. This land today is sacred to Christians, to the Jews, and even to the Muslims. But it's interesting that um, out of all of this time that Jesus knows something isn't right. This is his last week. This is probably Tuesday of Passion Week. And this fig tree, as we read before, had the appearance of fruit, but it had no fruit. In fact, it was showing, it was kind of showing us a little bit of what was happening in the temple. The whole temple operation was nothing but leaves. Notice what's happening in the temple. We didn't read anything about them worshiping idols. Everything that wasn't righteous about it disturbed Jesus. See, Jesus never deviated from a true the true issue his entire life, and that was worship. Worship to God encompassed his entire life. When I mention worship, we're not talking about a worship song. We're not talking about that. His entire life, spirit, soul, body, was to worship God and God alone. And what he saw taking place in the temple on Mount Moriah was anything that had to do with uh, with worship. It was anything that had to do with righteousness. It was all deception. It was all a scam. It was all about um, making people pay for their sacrifices. Because here's what we need to know. Worship has always been the issue. A man's relationship with God was the issue with Jesus. He wanted people to have a relationship 
with his father, and what he was seeing was the absolute opposite of what was happening. In fact, let me read that again in Mark chapter 11, verses 15 through 19. And it says, So they came to Jerusalem, then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple, and he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those that sold doves, and he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. Now, if you get this picture, Jesus comes in. In fact, there, there's several different writings that you can read about of the amount of people that were there, the amount of sacrifices that were available for you to purchase, and how you could have brought, bought, uh, brought a dove from your, your own home that might have cost you, uh, let's say, five cents, but at the temple it cost four dollars. You might have brought a lamb for sacrifice, but when the priest looked at it, he found a blemish, and he would make you go buy one, but to buy one, it was a lot of money. In fact, it was a scam. You know, it reminds me of a couple examples. It reminds me of going to like the matinee movie, you know, and you go see the movie, and the movie's $5, and you go to buy the popcorn, and the popcorn's $20. It's all a scam. It has nothing to do with worship to God. It's all about making profit off of God's people that are trying to observe God's laws. And Jesus had enough. In fact, it's the, that story in the Bible that we see and we try to figure out how we can do this because Jesus was angry and he never sinned. He was so angry that he overturned the tables of the money changers. I like that one part. Anybody that had things in their arm that were going through, he took them down, but then he began to teach them. And here's what he taught them. My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. And the scribe and the chief priests heard it, and listen to what they did. They didn't repent. They sought how they might destroy him, for they feared him because all the people were astonished at his teaching. And when evening had come, he went out of the city. Now remember, I mentioned this before, it's Passion Week. It's probably Tuesday of Passion Week. So when we read that they sought how they might destroy him, it was going to happen with it just in a few days. But here's what's interesting. Prophetically, we've already read in Isaiah that it was to be a house of prayer. Prophetically, Jeremiah said that you turn it into a den of thieves. And here's what Jesus wanted. Jesus understood that worship was always the issue. It was always getting turned around. And he wanted people's hearts to be focused on worship to his father. Here's an interesting thought. When the temple is corrupt. Now, the temple, the presence of God is not corrupt. It, the reason the temple was corrupt is because the leaders were corrupt. When the leaders were corrupt, the people were corrupt. When the people were corrupt, the nation was corrupt. If it's bad in the temple, it's bad everywhere. And this whole temple worship was a scam. They're making money hand over foot off of the people and it has nothing to do with their relationship with God. And now a heart for God was overtaken by greed 
by the leaders. Now, remember this. I mentioned this when we started. Jesus redeems all things because Jesus is going to die on Mount Moriah. This whole picture of where the temple is. We read in our Bibles that even when he said, it is finished in the temple, we read that the veil of the temple was ripped that that very presence of God, that it lived in that temple, began to come out because that very presence of God would not live in a structure or some architectural built by hands. The very presence of God would now reside within people that accepted Jesus as their Savior. You know, Jesus wasn't killed in Bethlehem as a baby. He didn't die in Galilee or Samaria as an adult. It couldn't be. It was so important that he would die in Jerusalem because that's where Mount Moriah was. He was going to come to redeem all things. He would redeem all things. And one of his last teachings in a situation where he's knocked down tables and taken, knocked down things out of people's arms is he would teach them that his father's house should be a house of prayer for all nations. The focus of this house is to be for prayer and worship to God. The focus should never be on making money and for jipping people and and switching things around. It should always be about his father. You know, when we looked at Genesis 22, what became so powerful in that image was that Abraham had had that knife raised. He was fully committed to sacrifice Isaac, that promised son that had been promised 25 years before that time. He would do it because he knew the faithfulness of God. In fact, we know we read in the book of Hebrews, he had faith enough to know that if even if he took the life of Isaac, that God would raise him from the dead. And Abraham said so, to the servants, the young men, because he says, you wait here and we will come back. David, when he needed strength, he would look to Mount Moriah because he knew that's where the ark, the the, the ark of the covenant was, the very presence of God. Solomon, when he built the temple, Solomon built the temple on Mount Moriah. But Jesus knew this. Jesus was going to need to redeem that area because it had been turned into a den of thieves And now he was going to sacrifice his own life on the cross. That he even said he was the one that had the authority from the Father to lay his life down. He was the one that would take all of our sin and our sickness on his body. And he would die for us. And he would say those words, it is finished. That even that very ground that that week was Uh, really turned into a den of thieves would be a ground of redemption. And that out of that redemption, that people would worship God with all of their heart, soul, mind, and their strength. And he used that example of a fig tree that we'll look at next week because the fig tree, the fruit comes first before the leaves. But the leaves were on the tree because the fruit had been already produced. But the, the problem was That was exactly what was happening in the temple. It had the appearance of worship, but it had nothing to do with any worship to God and to God alone. And Jesus himself would redeem it 
but then he would teach his disciples to have faith in God, have faith in God. You know, as we wrap up our message today, it's amazing that from Genesis 22 to where we read here in Mark 11, as we read later in the gospel before Jesus surrendered his life willingly for us, that he would give us that opportunity that the presence of God would not reside within a dwelling or a building, that it would reside within us. In fact, the Apostle Paul says, do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit resides on the inside to give us direction in our worship? So I want to end today with really two thoughts. First is if you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, there has been a path over thousands of years to get you to the place to see even in the scripture that Jesus would redeem this, but he wants to redeem your life. And I'd like you to pray this with me. If you've never accepted Jesus ever before, or if you've been running from him, this is your opportunity to come back. Pray this with me. Dear God, I believe that Jesus lived, died, and rose again for me. I confess and accept him as my Lord, and my Savior. Thank you for forgiving me of all of my sins, and today I begin my relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. The second thing is this. Many times we can be just as guilty as those leaders of the temple, the people of the temple, the people that are selling things, that our actions before the Lord just become things that we've done and we've gotten off track. And the realization when you get your table turned over or when you get your hands not clear of what you have is to be shaken up to remember that the reason that we worship is to worship Jesus alone. That's the most important thing. The most important thing is that we worship Him in him alone. Jesus mentions, and I, and I refer to this all the time, when you pray, go into your closet. When you fast, go into the other. Don't let people know. Let your heart be stirred, even today and this week, that you are a person of worship, that you worship the Lord, spirit, soul, and body, that that's your heart, not actions like what we read in the temple, but it's part of that we come to worship God in him alone. So Father, I pray for all of us that Lord, we see how easy it is for things to get off and not to remember the main thing. The main thing is worshiping you. The main thing that Jesus says is my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. That we get back on track, nudge us back, direct us back, make the crooked places straight in our lives that we get back to that heart of being a person of worship first and foremost to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we receive our tithes and offerings today, I want to read a couple verses out of Psalm 1. In fact, it's Psalm 1, 1 through 3, and it says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, 
nor sit in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Interesting verse, isn't it? Blessed is the man that doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of the sinners. There's a difference in those that walk amongst the Lord. In fact, it's referred to as a tree planted by the rivers of water. We know that those roots can go deep, get the nutrients and the water it needs, and it's going to bring fruit in its season. So as we give today, let's pray this prayer in fact, it becomes so powerful in our life that we don't just say it, but we say it from our heart. Would you say it with me? As I give in today's offering, I pray that God will guard my path and help me to walk in his ways and obey his principles all the days of my life. Let my life be fruitful and impacting. Let my giving be governed by the word of God and let my life be blessed with good fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're giving today, you can go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org. You can click on the Give button. It's safe, it's fast, it's secure. You can also give by mail. You can write to us, the Hills Church, P.O. Box 661419, Arcadia, California, 91066. Boy, um, be a part of this every single week. We're going to come back this next week. We're going to get back into Mark 11 because they're a powerful story about this fig tree, about worship, about the disciples and their faith and how they pray and what they stand for. That all centers around worship, but it all centers around four words. Have faith in God. Whatever you face this week, whatever might come at you, whatever might come against you. Hey, if it's even praiseworthy, would you remember this week to have faith in God? The Lord bless you. As we end uh, our time each week, we read Psalm 121, 1 and 2. I look up to the hills, but where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. The Lord bless you. Have a great and powerful week and have faith 